Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. And I want to read out a passage of Scripture to you this morning that's been on my heart uh, for maybe a couple of months. And I knew when I read this passage of Scripture before Christmas that this needed to be the first message I preached um, in 2015. I really do believe that, uh, that this is going to be an amazing year. I do believe that God's got something incredible in store. And when you and I think about our God, when we consider His role in our lives, um, when we consider a new year and new hopes and new dreams and all that God could do, we begin to consider really what's God's desired involvement in my life. I mean, when I launch into a new year, I'm thinking, man, I, I wanna change the world. I, I wanna do something great. I've normally got some things as well that are just for me, very personal to me. And my question, I guess, is does God care about that stuff? Does He care about my lofty aspirations? Is He, is he gonna be personally involved in the big things that I'm shooting for in my life? And does He care about the little things? You know, I, I'm really pedantic. I like, I like specific things. I'm the worst guy in the world to buy a present for because I'm just so picky and choosy about what I like. And it's, you know, does God care about the little things that I care about? And in light of that, I wanna read out a passage of Scripture for us this morning, um, and then we're gonna pray. But in Mark's Gospel, in verse 22, it says, Then a leader of a local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Verse 24 says, Jesus went with him. He went with him. And all the people and the crowd followed around him. And then the Bible says, if you come down this morning to verse 32, verse 33, then a frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, be free from your suffering or your suffering is over. And while he was still speaking to messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. There's no use troubling the teacher now. There's no use troubling the teacher. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't allow anyone to go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw, saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and He asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The, the crowd laughed at Him, but He made them all leave. And He took the girl's father and mother and His three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. 
He said to her, Tabith Kuam, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then He told them to give her something to eat. You know, our story this morning, thank you, Shahan. Our story this morning begins with a synagogue ruler who has a sick daughter. He has a sick daughter and he's looking for help. And you know, the great leveler of life is that when you get to the edges, when you get to the point where there's nothing left for you, when, when there's no strategy that's going to help you, when, when you can't fix it on your own, whether you are extremely successful, whether you have bountiful resources, or whether you have nothing at all, there reaches a point where everybody begins to cry out to God. And the synagogue leader comes to Jesus and he falls on his knees, even though he shouldn't be seen with this upstart teacher. He falls on his knees before Jesus because he's desperate. And in desperate moments, different things come out. He falls on his knees in front of Jesus and he says, please, would you come with me? Would you come to my home? Would you lay your hands on my daughter? She is sick, she is dying. Would you pray for her that she may live? And we are so blessed to discover that Jesus went with Him. We worship the God who is concerned, who is involved, who does care. And when he heard the plight of this girl, we hear about the Jesus who is willing to go with this man, who is willing to step in. He's willing to get involved. He's willing to engage. The Bible says that Jesus went with him. And then the Bible says that as they're journeying down this road together, that as they went with him, as the Jesus was walking down the road. Oh, the guy starts off thinking, oh, Jesus, Jesus got a plan for me. Jesus is concerned about me. Jesus wants to be involved in my predicament. Jesus does have a plan for my life. And we start many seasons of our lives. In fact, we've been at youth camp. We've been at young adults camp this week here at Arise. And I know that hundreds of youth and young adults have come alive this week with a sense that my life has a purpose. Jesus is with me. Stuff is happening. Come on, if you're a youth or young adult who's got a plan, God's got a plan for your life. Can you in every room just make some noise this morning? Get excited for God. And man, the journeying together, everything's exciting. And man's thinking, Jesus, we're getting closer to my home. My life is progressing. Things are getting better. This is going to be amazing. And then suddenly, Jesus is distracted. Can, can you imagine this man thinking my daughter is on her final hours and Jesus, who he's kind of trying to bundle down the road as this crowd is all over Jesus. Suddenly, Jesus stops. I mean, he's not moving anymore. What? Jesus, time is precious. This girl could die. And Jesus stops. 
I mean, when you put yourself in Jairus' head, this is a perplexing moment. And there come moments too in our lives where we've started on this journey and we, we believe that God had a plan. And then suddenly things aren't going the way we expected them to go. I mean, anybody who's come out of youth and young adults camp and thinks that they're gonna roll back into university or high school this year and suddenly everybody is gonna embrace your fervor for Christ is just misplaced. Anybody walking through their journey of their lives and thinking that just because God gave us a plan, we're gonna walk every day like we're just tiptoeing through the tulips because Jesus is with us, hasn't read the entire Bible. Jesus said, I am with you. And my, I mean, my daughter had a nightmare last night. So we sat down about 4.30 this morning and I just said to her, say this after me, sweetheart. The Lord is my shepherd. She repeats it. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down beside green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And we do serve the God who is with us who is our shepherd, who leads us beside still waters. At the moment, we just look at Wellington because that's what we got. And sunshine and 31 degrees in Wainui Amata this afternoon. And we're embracing it. But the truth is, my friends, that we don't just worship the God who is with us and who leads us into plenty. We also live in a world that sometimes pauses our plans. Sometimes things don't go the way we want. That sometimes everything isn't tiptoeing through the tulips and beautiful sunrises and still waters. Jesus stops. He's distracted by another event. He's involved in somebody else's life. If there is one struggle that I think kicks in in our Christian faith when we're coming to relate to God and seeking His involvement in our lives, it comes back to the fact that God is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent. And whilst we're seeking God's engagement in our lives and we've got concerns and we're going through stuff, God is also doing things for other people. Have you ever been praying? I mean, somebody's praying that they can get married and it's like they've been a bridesmaid five times already. So God's moving in somebody else's life. He's giving them what they've been praying for. Somebody's hoping that they can flourish and it just seems like everybody in their neighbourhood had a great financial year in their work, but, but not us. And God is doing things in the lives of others. And when we're trying to wrestle with what's God's involvement going to be in my life, That makes it really hard because uh, surely, surely if God's doing great things for them, well, can, is He also concerned with me? And while Jesus is distracted, healing this woman who's had an issue of blood for 14 years, I don't know where Jairus is, but clearly he's not kind of involved in the miracle. The Bible says that while he's kind of standing at a distance, and I bet he's just praying that that miracle's done real quick. Come on, when your daughter is sick and dying, you're hoping that this woman who's got this problem is gonna get it fixed, but all you really care about is your kid. You're like, the world can get stuff right now. All I care about is my child, amen? Come on, don't look at me religious. You're the same. 
I love you tomorrow, but today it's my kid. And the Bible says that a messenger arrives from his house. And what arrested my heart as I was thinking about this passage and reading my scriptures maybe three, four months ago was this phrase where this messenger arrives and he says to Jairus, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. When I read that, when I read that, it just arrested my heart, not just with what the man receives, but the thinking that's behind it. The, the approach towards life that is described in this messenger's words is so prevalent, I reckon, in all of our minds when we're thinking about God. What he says out loud is not, is not, too removed from the way you and I think about our everyday circumstances. What he says to, the, to Jairus, this messenger, is he says, this, your daughter is dead. It's too late, it's done, it's over, it's gone. Good things happen for that person, but they aren't happening for you. And then he says, there's no use troubling the teacher. Troubling the teacher. I began to read this in different translations and over and over and over again, these same three words come out. Don't trouble the teacher. Don't, don't trouble the teacher. I mean, there's no point occupying the teacher's time anymore. There's no point putting leverage on him. Oh, there's no use. Don't trouble the teacher. Don't, don't, don't ask him for something because, because look at the good things that are happening for others. I mean, look at the world that you're living in, but you know what? That happened for somebody else. That happened for them. That miracle took place in their life. But don't you bother troubling the teacher. Don't, don't ask more than you should. Don't expect too much from life. Accept your lot as mediocre. Lower the level of your expectations. Don't press into Him. Don't bring to Him your demands. I mean, look, I mean, there's a starving kid in Africa. Do you really think God cares about the fact that you'd like a better car? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, think about the fact that, you know, there's, there's a baby over there that really needs a miracle. Do you think God's gonna bring you a spouse? I mean, you know, you're asking God for an increase in your finances, but you know somebody else needs support from the government just to make it through a week. And, and you're asking God that you can prosper. Don't trouble the teacher. Don't, don't put to him ridiculous demands. God's, God's busy. God's got stuff to do. There's no point thinking that God won't only prosper you. He'll also bless your lifestyle as well. Give you not just, don't, don't trouble the teacher. Don't think that it's all up to God. Just live just a little bit lower. Expect just a little bit less. See, what troubles me about this passage of Scripture is the fact, my friends, that I've been a follower of Jesus for 22 years and I understand the demonic message in this thought. I understand this devil-conspired ethos of life that says God is not concerned with everything that I'm going through. I understand what it's like, and so do you, to think, well, you know what? It's okay to ask God 
for the salvation of my family members, but not that I can really just, I don't know, maybe tan in the summer. I don't know, you know, just maybe that I could just have a few quiet days that, my, that I, could, I could somehow get above it. All this thinking comes your way. Don't trouble the teacher. Look at this crowd. Look at these needs. I mean, you know, you're raising these great kids. Don't ask God that you can also enjoy your life. It's not about you anymore. It's about them. He's concerned about them. But don't you think that God's going to, oh, that's a bit ridiculous. Come on. Settle just for a little bit less. Dwarf your dreams. Give up on your goals. Don't think, just accept your place in life. Just, just give up on it. It comes to us all the time, doesn't it? At moments, at seasons, at hours. It's the spirit behind it that is so concerning. Time and time and time again. Don't trouble the teacher. Get by with just enough. Give up on your crazy dreams. Stop, the, stop expecting that situation to turn around. It's unreasonable to ask for more. Accept where you are. Know your place. See, I think for every single one of us, there have come times when we've thought that. I know in my life, if, this, if there's been a struggle perhaps of the last five years of my life, it's been this thought that maybe... Maybe God, I, I shouldn't be asking for that. Maybe I just need to just lower some things. I mean, God, you're blessing my life. So why would you be concerned with these other prayer concerns that I have? I mean, because Lord, at the end of the day, I'm here to serve you. And I reckon it's not just me. I reckon all of us, and it happens to us, doesn't it? In the moments of the pause, when things are going well, when Jesus is distracted, when he's looking and doing great things for somebody else in those moments, isn't it? It's when we start to think, well, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I just need to just give up on it. There's so much pressure, so many voices, and so many things that come together to stop us from believing that we are who God is called to be. So many influences that make us wanna somehow limit down what we believe we can do. Somehow we come to this point where we just think I've gotta accept my current position. I've got to lower my goals. God is removed, He's not concerned, He's too busy. All different ways of forcing us to just kind of say, accept what you've got, accept mediocre as your lot and don't bother troubling the teacher. Don't take up his time. I mean, man, you know what? The teacher, he's too busy for children. I mean, when you start to read the Bible, you become just aware of how many times people kept coming at Jesus with this thought that, that sorry, around him, they tried to come at others with this thought that the teacher is too busy for you. I mean, man, these parents are bringing to Jesus their children. One of the most amazing moments I've ever had in my ministry life, and I still remember it so crystal clear, was at uh, uh, one of our, <laughs> you'll laugh, but at one of our passionate women's conferences. 
But you know, we had this amazing time where the guest speaker said, I'm gonna pray for every registrant. I'm like, no, don't do that because it was thousands of people there and suddenly it all starts and I, I'm off to the side of the stage and suddenly these mums start coming out of the parents' room with their little infant children and over the side of the auditorium formed this, this kind of cluster and that one of them gets my attention and they said, we want you to pray for each one of our children. So I spent maybe the next 15 minutes just praying for every kid. I mean, God was just giving me prophetic words and I'm speaking them over these children. But here are these parents and they're trying to get through the masses to bring their children to Jesus. And as they're getting close, the Bible says the disciples are like, hey, 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 stop that. You know, Jesus, he, he's, he's busy. Don't trouble the teacher. Get those kids out of here. They don't count. And the Bible literally says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, that people were bringing their little children to Jesus that He might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to Me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In other words, he's saying, you know what? You can trouble me with your kids. You can bring the concerns of your children to me and I've got time enough for your kids. I've got time for your requests. I've got time for your needs. I've got time for what's wrong. I'm not distant. I'm not preoccupied. I care about every detail of your life. You can bring your kids to me. I can do great things for an adult and for a child. Oh, Jesus, the teacher, he's too busy for woman. You gotta remember that in Jesus' day, religious leaders, men, they didn't converse with women and they certainly didn't talk to Samaritans. Samaritans were like half Jews. They were a questionable race. They were sort of maybe they intermarried during the dispersion and they were, they were put off to one side in society. And a, a, a Jewish religious leader is never gonna have a conversation with a woman and certainly never gonna have a conversation with a Samaritan woman. But in John's Gospel, chapter four, we read one of the best stories in the Gospels about Jesus with his disciples approaching a Samaritan village, Jesus stops by a well and the disciples go into the town. They are going to buy food and to bring it back out of the town. Let's keep Jesus removed. That's what religion does. Religion always puts God at a distance. Something in our lives always makes us think you can't bring that to God. That's too much for you to ask God of. You can't, you can't present God with that request. And so the Bible tells us that, the, that, that Jesus is sitting by this well. Out from the town comes this Samaritan woman. You can't keep Jesus away from people. She turns up. She's had five husbands. She's with a man now that's not her husband. And as many people have preached, Jesus jumps into her life as the seventh man. They have this amazing conversation. And the Scripture says that when the disciples get back, check this verse out, come on the screen. John 4, 27. When His disciples came back, they were shocked to find Him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? See, Jesus, 
jumps into our lives, guys. And he says, I am not too busy for you. You can trouble me with whatever you need. A child gets to me, a woman gets to me, someone wanting an extra car gets to me, somebody just believing for a new pair of shoes, your ones haven't even got a hole in them, but you just like a new pair of shoes, you can bring that to me. If you'd like to just, you know, maybe just grow your finances, you know what, I'm okay. You can bring that to me. You can trouble the teacher with that. You can ask the teacher for A's in your assignments. You can ask the teacher for a promotion in your job. You can ask the teacher to help you lose weight. You can ask ask the teacher for healing in your physical body. You can ask the teacher for a holiday, for a holiday home. You can ask the teacher for help with anything, for, a, for your success to outweigh others. You can trouble the teacher. You can. So when I was six years old, I wanted a BMX bicycle. I wanted one so bad. And you know, I, I, I grew up, I guess, in, in a middle-class home. But you know, we had a home to live in. My parents certainly didn't have enough money to buy me a B, BMX bicycle. And it was a time of uncertainty in the economy. And I wanted a bike. I wanted a bike. I'd never had a bike. I desperately wanted a bike. I said to mom, I said, mom, can I have a bike? She said, oh, I don't know. You know, I said to dad, can I have a bike? And then my mom comes back to me. She says, son, you know, you gotta ask if you wanna receive. So you need to stop asking me for a bike. You need to start asking God for a bike. I'm so thankful for that. She didn't say to me, sit down, shut up, Cameron. You've got food on your, on your belly. You've got clothes on your back. I gave you a house to live in. So John, would you just stop troubling the teacher? She didn't say that. She said, why don't you pray? Why don't you ask God? So I started that night. I said, God, I would like a BMX bicycle. I prayed the next night, God, I would like a BMX bicycle. God, would you get me a BMX bicycle? One week, two weeks, three weeks, one month, two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, every single night praying, God, would you give me a BMX bicycle? I can still remember the room that I was in when my mother walked in and said, son, you'll never believe it, but your dad just got this big bonus at work. We can afford to buy you a BMX bicycle or because I've been so specific, I wanted a Morrison. She said, if you can change that and make it an HMX 500, then we can buy one for you and one for your brother. And we bought two. I remember the shop. I remember it was halfway between Onihunga and Royal. Oak. I remember going to the store. I remember buying the bicycle. And I want you to know that God doesn't mind when you bring to Him some kind of request. You can trouble the teacher. There's every reason to trouble the teacher. The teacher is not austere. Jesus is not condemning. Jesus is not aloof. He's not removed. He's not, dis and he's not, he's not unattached. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to bless you, prosper you, just because you're special to Him. I reckon everybody hearing this should just give God a big clap right now. Come on. Come on. 
Come on, I, I remember one time Julie and I came to Wellington and for us it was a major financial step coming here and we put a lot of energy and a lot of money into getting this, this thing going with the rise and this journey that we we're on and we didn't know whether it was going to work and you know we, we got to a point where uh, we bought this little section of land, we sold it and we made a little bit of money off it and you know we're thinking we'd like to have a house and I prayed for that house. I always pray, everybody, by the way, everybody hearing this, if you're praying for a home, God wants to give you one. I believe that with all my heart. God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper your life. And every time our family is in need of a home, I always pray the Psalm that says, even the sparrow has a place to raise her nest, a place near your altar, O Lord. And I pray that and I declare, we will have a place to raise our family. We will have a place that is near your altar, a place that is filled with the presence of God. God's always blessed me. I've always lived in a house with a massive outlook. And that's just how I hear from God is to look at views. And you know, we, we, we're looking for a home and I've got this, remember, remember me, I'm the pedantic guy, the hard guy to buy presents for. I'm the hard guy to buy houses for too. So I've got my big list and I, I, I know what I want. I want. I know what I want from the house. And you know, we find this house and we bought it. And I'll never forget the night that we moved into this house. We get all our stuff in, we put... Lara to bed, Will wasn't even born yet. And I come outside and I'm standing outside, outside the house and I'm looking up at the stars that are above me and I'm so grateful I've got tears in my eyes. And I said to God, I said, God, I can't believe that you have so blessed me with this kind of house. And as I looked up towards the stars, I heard God speak into my heart. I knew it was His voice. And He said, if you ask me, I will give you nations. And in the way I heard it, it was like there was a hint of like, what? If you ask me, I'll give you nations. Want a house? I'll give you a house. But if you ask me, I will give you nations. Trouble, the teacher. What does it say in James chapter two? It says, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Because you're not asking, you're not getting. Because you're not putting it, because you're not troubling the teacher, it's not happening in your life. So maybe what God's saying to us, church, is it's time for us to trouble the teacher. It's time for us to start putting some requests before Him. It's time for us to start believing that God is involved, God does care, God does wanna do it. He is gonna answer my requests. He's not too busy for me. He's not so overwhelmed that He can't get to what I'm going through, that somebody else can be blessed and so can I at the same time. I reckon as we start in 2015, God's looking for somebody that is just gonna get the power of their dream back into their lives. That they're gonna start asking God for a lot more than the mediocrity that they're in right now. They're not gonna lower their desires to what is currently taking place in their lives. They're gonna say, God, You can do anything. So come and do it in my life. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah? I'm troubling the teacher. I'm looking for the miracle. I'm believing for the breakthrough. I'm declaring that my prayers are answered. Oh man.
What I love about this passage is the Bible says that the next thing that happens is that Jesus overhears. He overhears this conversation. How does He do that? Because Jesus hears all things, sees all things, knows all things. He just put on human flesh. So here He is and He talks. He talks to this man. And He says, do not, do not be afraid. Just have faith. Just have faith. Just have faith. Just have only alone. The word in the Hebrew, Greek, sorry, literally means alone. Alone, faith. Alone, believe. Alone, believe. Don't let anything else come into your mind other than that I am with you and I am going to do it. See, this man's thinking, you know what? It's, it's, oh, it's coming a later season than I expected. So it's not gonna happen for me. And Jesus says, banish that. Banish that from your mind. Do you know why you should trouble the teacher? Because Jesus never started a journey He didn't finish. If Jesus started walking down the road with this man, He never ever left a task uncompleted. So what that says to me is that if God gave me a promise, God's gonna fulfill that promise. If God spoke something into my heart, then God is gonna fulfill what He has spoken to me to do. Come on, is anybody hearing me this morning believe that you can trouble the teacher? You can bring to Him your request. Banish the thoughts, eliminate the distractions and focus on God and declare, I'm troubling the teacher. I'm believing for the miracle. Come on, if you believe it, give Him some praise in every room this morning and declare that our God is able. Oh, let me close, you can stay standing, but in Luke 18 is an amazing story where Jesus tells a parable. Jesus tells a story about an unjust judge and a widow. A guy who's in it for the money, who doesn't care about people, and a widow who's got no means of security of securing His favour. And the Bible says that this widow is, keeps, comes to the judge and says, hey, someone's ripped me off. I want you to put this thing right. He ignores it. So she comes back the next day. Hey, someone's ripped me off. Put it right. She ignores it. So she comes back the next day. Hey, I want a BMX bicycle. The, the, the Bible says that she goes away. Goes away. But then the Bible says this woman won't stop coming. She keeps troubling the teacher. And the Bible says that the unjust judge finally says to himself, you know what? I'm not moved by this woman. I don't care about her, but I want her to stop bringing me this request. So I'm going to grant what she's asking from me. And then Jesus says, think about your heavenly Father. He's not unjust and He's not uncaring. So if you present your request to Him, how much more is He gonna grant that which you request of Him? Come on, if anybody believes God can answer your prayers and it's worth troubling the teacher, why don't you give Him some praise? If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.